Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome in, Loons fans, to another week of Loon Talk. Jonathan Harrison here alongside Dan Terhar. Dan, hey. how are you doing, sir, after a resilient 2-1 win this week against Houston? A barrage of goals. Because it's <laughs> By one man one. in particular. By more than one. That's goal. <laughs> That's a great day. Beautiful day. Got the lawn mowed today and uh, feeling good. The allergies are just kicking my butt. So Uh, That's no bueno. That's not good. Yeah. Fall is tough time for me. Yeah. Tough time for a lot of people in this state, considering all the pollen that runs through the air. Ah, a couple housekeeping items. Obviously, you're listening to Loon Talk with myself and Dan Terra. We are the radio broadcast team for all Minnesota United matches. You can find those matches over on Score North on AM 1500 live.scorenorth.com if you're on your computer and the free score north mobile app excited to have you join us every week free. for those matches it's completely free, free and always will be as far as i understand love um, free everybody loves free, free. uh and then do give us a rating a review and subscription at your podcast service of choice does help us get found and we are also if you want to watch us talk soccer we are over on score north's youtube channel as well usually about usually up about a day or day and a half after we post the audio version so if you want to go see us with some fancy graphics or just see our offices go ahead go check out score north's youtube channel we are over there as well dan let's jump right into this it was a 2-1 road victory for the loons a lot to talk about here a resilient win because they went into houston without eight of their normal players and they somehow squeak out a 2-1 win. Dan, your thoughts kind of on just that fact that they didn't have eight of their guys and much of them, much of those guys were kind of their key, some of their key starters and they it somehow was, get two goals. It was not a pretty lineup. No. Worked out fine, but um, yeah, when I first saw the lineup, I thought, oh man, we've never won in Houston <laughs> yep. ever. And you know, it's not that the lineup was terrible because, you know, Hassani Dotson gives you everything he's got whenever he's yep. out there. Nathan Finlay, the same thing, you know. And then you kind of go, okay, well, maybe it's okay. Will Trapp's still there. Ozzy Alonzo started, same thing. Maybe the reason why they were able to get a 2-1 to one win on the road was because the guys that were in those positions that normally you'd go, uh-oh, were guys that were going to – guys that play with so much heart and, and – you know, guys that just won't take no for an answer. And, and of course, the defense was pretty solid. You know, uh, Buckeye DeBassi was out with that yellow card accumulation suspension. But Brent Coleman's been playing great. So, yeah. you know, the the more I think about it, that lineup wasn't as bad as it could have been just because the guys that were in there, whether they were a little older, whether they are a little inexperienced or just not as skilled, but they were all guys that play with so much heart and determination. And I think that helped a lot in that match. And besides the fact that Houston's awful. So <laughs> that, those that does certainly help. Now they they're you know, I thought when they got Uruti and they added some offense, I thought they might be pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just not working for them. And I don't know why. And I know we Minnesota fans have a lot of good thoughts about Darwin Quintero when he played here, not near the end of his run, because there's obviously some things there, but it does say a lot that they have been so poor in offense and defense all over mm-hmm. Houston and Darwin Quintero still can't get even yeah. in the squad. And yeah. I'm not, I don't think he's injured from everything I've like all my, everything that I saw, I don't think he's injured. He just can't make it into the squad. 
they're not bad enough for Darwin <laughs> to be in the A team. Uh, you know what? I think his problem is. I think he came here. He was gonna. He was gonna be the greatest player. Uh, we've talked about this before. You can't. The the days are gone when, unless you're one of the elite in the world, but those guys aren't coming in the prime of their career. You can't come over here and expect just to rip through the league and smoke cigarettes while you're scoring goals. And you know, you you it, those days are done. This league is is has improved to the point where guys like Darwin come in and they think they're going to be, and they have, it's not that he's not talented, but that attitude and his unwillingness to, to play both ways at all. I mean, not even a little, it's not desired in this league. You know, if you're a striker and you don't want to play any defense and you don't want to be responsible or anything, but scoring goals, but you score 15 to 20 goals. Great. Who cares? Sign him up, but yeah, but not in a guy that's playing that number ten spot where you need him to be a versatile all around player and not just put his head down and and walk back slowly after he turns over the ball. How many times did we see that? Oh, I wanted to go down there and pick him up by his little neck. I couldn't count the time, <laughs> the amount of times we saw that over yeah, the years. Put his head down and walk back. Yeah. Uh, so enough about Houston. Yeah, enough about I mean, that. they got so going back to the going to the ninety minutes that we saw down in yeah. Houston. Poor start early for the Loons, letting in an early goal. Poor ball possession and sloppy passing early on in the match. Mm-hmm. Left uh, Fafa Pico, who has just been absolutely on fire for yeah, he's been for great. the Dynamo lately. Left him wide open on the left, and he's able to just find it in the middle for Karaskia for an easy tapping goal in the first minute of the game. Not it, We said it on the broadcast. It was the exact worst start you could ask for from for this side, who had gone in, as we mentioned, down eight guys and then mm-hmm. inside in a place you've never won before ahead of a two week break, not the way you wanted to start the match. And it looked like from there, it was just like, Oh crap. We're in one of those matches where, you know, there's a two week break coming up. You know, you don't have a majority of your line, your starting guys that you normally have. Are we just going to see a side that kind of puts his head down and just no. wishes the 90 minutes were over? Or are we going to see a side that fights back and kind of claws their way back into this one? And, for those who have really watched this team over the last couple of years and seen how Adrian Heath prepares his squad, you knew it was going to be the second one instead of the first one. Yeah, they've they've gotten behind a lot this year, more than you'd like to. But, um, yeah, yeah there, it was like, okay, Houston scores right away at home. They're fired up. I mean, they're, they're woo, having fun. Man, this is great. We're going we're gonna to win for our first time since May. May was the last time they won. And yeah. they're going to win at some point. And you're at going, some point, it has to happen. They're going to win another one before the season's over, and at some point, you're going, "Oh no, we're going to be we're going to be the team that lets the Dynamo off the hook and gets their first win <laughs> in six, yeah, you know, since again since late May." Yeah. So it, it was a good bounce back, um, especially when you consider the lineup was not a group that was probably real cohesive and ready to go. But the defense, I thought the defense had a few of those uh oh moments that we haven't seen in a while for sure. Um, and but yet bend but not break. You know they shut it down after that that early goal. And you know Tyler Miller made a few big saves as he always seems to do. There's always a couple in there that he uh, does to earn that uh, that low goals against average. So you know they it was you know the defense held up even though it wasn't the greatest defensive game because you're playing Houston. You expect you know you as a goaltender and and a defensive unit you're going in against Houston. You're going okay. You know our goal is to get a clean sheet. I mean, it is most every night, but especially Absolutely. in this one. So they didn't get that, but after that first goal, they got better and and they got the job done. But 
this was a we talked about it in the pregame show it's close to a you know must win match at this point in the season because nobody yeah. um nobody wants to put that out there if you're part of the team because as soon as you say it's a must win what happens if you don't win so Absolutely. but it sure felt like it didn't it yeah especially with the team that you were going up against yeah granted you didn't have eight of your guys but with the team that you're going up against and with the stretch of games that you have coming up after the two-week break with how tough that schedule is, and we'll get to that here in a little bit on the show, that you needed as many points as you could get before that super tough run of run of games comes or starts coming down the schedule here. And yeah, that it felt like a must-win, and the team really got back into it after they let in that early goal. And sure, the sloppy play continued for a couple minutes after they let in that goal, but for the most part... After Adrian Nunu scores in the 15th minute, Minnesota really controlled the match. They really had a lot of a lot of run of possession. They were moving the ball around the field, not letting Houston get really settled all that much, and they were finding themselves in dangerous areas, getting getting a handful of shots on the night. And let's start with Adrian Nunu finally breaking his scoreless streak, 718 minutes if I'm doing all my maths correctly. <laughs> Gets in a dangerous area, as I said last week. I'll take a victory lap on that one. He continues to find himself in himself in dangerous areas. Ethan Finley found him for an easy tap and goal, and it was just it's what and we talked. You you mentioned it right in the goal call that you could feel that that pressure that was on his shoulders over the last not nine matches. You could feel it kind of relieve itself after that goal. Yeah, when when uh, we were talking a few minutes ago about Darwin Quintero, I look at uh, Adrian Anu as just the opposite. Um, his pressures and his stress were because he was letting the team down. It wasn't about him. You know, sure, he's the one who needs to score the goals. That's right. his job. But what was what, he's the type of guy, the character of a guy that it was bothering him because he was letting down the team. He knew it. We all knew it. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's all anybody talked about. Now, you know, here we have another striker we brought in that can't score goals. And, and, and so you could, yeah, he scored that goal and, you can just see on his face he's not a he's not a flamboyant guy. He's not gonna you know take his shirt off. He's not gonna you know do a double knee slide. You could just see relief on his face. It was yeah. like finally you know. And and then when he got the second one, even more of that. But yeah, I just felt you felt so good for him because he hasn't stopped working. He hasn't gotten lazy. He hasn't pouted. Right. You know, he just was in a bad slump, and and you know, hopefully now he's he's out of it for good. And you could. And if I'm remembering correctly from the broadcast, you could see as he was heading back to the the halfway line to get the game restarted, he looked over at the coaching staff and you could tell it was a thanks for sticking behind me kind of look and yeah. and it it was really it was really good to see him get on the goals uh on the score sheet again because he really needed it not just for himself but for the team and you felt that confidence go throughout the rest of the team that okay, our goal scorer's back. We have now we have the absolute stone wall of a defense at the back and it seems like we have the goal scorer back that we needed up top, and now everything else is kind of settling into place, even without eight of our normal guys. And mm-hmm. after the goal, immediate, immediately after Houston put up a good response but fizzled away after about five minutes, and Minnesota really controlled throughout the rest of the match, there was a confidence in their ball movement and possession throughout the rest of the first half and in, into the second half that we haven't really seen in a while. And sure, it was against Houston, a side that's really bad this season, but that confidence that they had finding areas – Moving the ball around, getting or moving Houston's defense around, and moving moving the opposing players out of position or into positions that they didn't want to be in. We haven't seen that in a while. 
No, and they did that, like you said, with a lineup that wasn't real, shouldn't have been very comfortable with each other. Um, <laughs> right. Although I'm sure they practiced that way, you know, for for a few days. But um, even dropping uh, Onu uh, back into, uh, I guess it was the number ten spot. Yeah. Um, he performed well there, so he's a skilled guy. Like like Robin Lode, he's a skilled guy that no matter where you put him, you know he can, you know he can play football. He can he can do what he's supposed to do. And now with confidence, you know, hopefully he just continues to roll the rest of the season. And you get uh, you know guys like uh, Robin back. And um, what was that guy? Is that French guy we got? Saw him for a couple of days, and then oh Fragapani, yeah, Argentinian guy, yeah, yeah, Argentinian. I mean. It's been you know, a while get, since we've seen him. Understand him back, get him back in there and see what he can do. You know, again, he started out looking like, you know, wow, this is great. And then right. things kind of slowed down. Yeah. And so hopefully, you know, two weeks is, you know, a nice break and should be a lot of healing done in the next, you know, by the time they play again. So absolutely. You mentioned uh, their Adrian dropping back. Uh, in positions, and that was brought on by Ja'Cory Hayes, early second-half substitution. Haven't really heard much on his injury. Hopefully it was just precautionary taking him off mm-hmm. at that point. Um, it meant we saw a formation shift and the debut of Fernando Adi. I like the addition of Adi uh, as a quality depth piece. I don't think he was brought in to replace Adrian Nunu up top. I, at least I hope not. But if you're bringing that guy in who has not had the best run of form over the last handful of years but had an absolutely stunningly good run in Portland when he was really firing and he was really the the focal piece of that of that Portland attack that was so dangerous under Caleb Porter. Mm-hmm. Uh if you have if you get that version of Fernando Adi and you add him as a depth piece to this team, man, watch out Western Conference uh shifted from a four the 4-3-3 they started into they started with on the night back into the 4-2-3-1 we normally see from them with Unu dropping back into that number 10 role that Reynoso usually occupies. I like it because Audrey Unu seemed to be able to find dangerous late runs into the box. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned last week, he's finding himself as that striker. He's finding dangerous areas and his teammates are starting to find him. And then you just add this whole other, this whole other uh, aspect to their attack. You bring in Fernando Adi, who's going to draw the attention of the opposing defense just because of his size and his goal scoring reputation that he's that he had at one point. You bring in him to distract the defenders. Adrian Anu's able to find himself into dangerous areas and you give him that ability to do it from late running areas or deeper deep running areas and it's just going to find open space and he did that throughout the rest of the night and it worked perfectly despite the Houston camera operator's best attempt to not show the second Adrian Anu goal. <laughs> He did bag a brace with some really nice passing by Fernando Adi and Ethan Finley to get the ball to Unu, who slotted it around the Houston keeper for the game-winning goal in the 73rd minute. Yeah, in bringing in uh, Adi was necessary for depth, first of all. Lack of of available strikers, true strikers. Um, And I think it, you know, it's it's easy to say now, but I think bringing Adi in was also – a little shove in the back and a little wake up call for um, Adrian Anu because yeah. it's like, Hey, you know what? And I don't, not that I think that, that, uh, that Adrian thought this job was safe, no matter what he did. He knew, he knew that people were going to start playing in front of him and they, they had been already at certain points, but you know, all of a sudden you bring in a guy that's had what a, with Portland, a couple of 16 goal seasons. I think it was back to back 16 goal seasons. Yep. So you bring in a guy and that was, that wasn't that long ago. 
Um, you bring in a guy that, uh, for some reason, has struggled the last couple of years. I'm not sure why. We don't know what it is. If he's not as healthy as he should be, we don't know. But whatever reason, but you bring in a guy that has a history of scoring goals, and you know, all of a sudden, that same night, literally, you know, he just he just shows up and meets the team down in uh, Houston. And all of a sudden, the guy that he's coming in to uh, possibly replace scores two goals. Coincidence? Maybe. Maybe not. I mean, right. ask athletes what it's like. When you've got someone you're competing with, it pushes you maybe to a little level that you didn't know you had. And mm-hmm. and so if, if Anu keeps scoring goals, great. you got a guy to bring in in the 60, 70th minute that's fresh, might score a few here and there. Um, but... Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he's already done his job. He got he got <laughs> he got Adrian Anu to score two goals. So, um, and he and like you said, he brilliant passing between uh, uh, Adi and then to uh, um, Finley and then to Anu to finished it off. So it's all good now. You know, we were talking yeah. about this on the broadcast how we went from you know our in our hands. You know, head in our hands. We don't have a striker. <laughs> we, we can't score goals. We suck. All of a sudden. Eh. Things are pretty good. Yeah, so, all of a it's sudden, amazing how quickly it turns around. <laughs> all of a sudden, you get you get you line up a really crappy team and you score a couple goals and you feel confident about yourself going into a two week break. Oh, it all works yeah. out well. I forgot it was a really crappy team. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so all in all, the two goals from Audrey Nanu, two assists from Ethan Finley, lead to a Minnesota come from behind two one win, which moves Minnesota up to thirty one points on on the season in the standings. They sit fifth. They continue to sit fifth in the Western Conference. Four points clear of the next opponent or next team behind them in Portland, and then five points behind LA Galaxy, who drew at the weekend, almost lost, but thanks to a late goal, they uh, they secure a late tie in the LA Derby. We'll get to that one here in a little bit, but it leads me to my next segment, which we're not doing the big question this week because I have a new segment that I want to try out, convince me. I'm going to try and convince you, Dan, okay. that Minnesota still has a role to play in the Western Conference title race. Not just the Western Conference home playoff standings, the Western Conference title race. Now, follow what? me here. And what? I, I know I tend to, to be... convince me, because I'm looking at the standings right now. Yeah, I tend to be optimistic on here. You're telling me and... that... Okay, all right, all right, all right. You, you're going right, to convince me. me. Okay, could they catch L.A.? Possibly. Will they catch Colorado? Yeah, Colorado's going to drop out of the top seven they won't even make the playoffs so but you're gonna tell me you're gonna convince me that they've got a shot of catching seattle and kansas city both of them follow me here they only sit 11 points behind seattle for the top of the west and minnesota have a game in hand only 11 points they have 13 minnesota has 13 games remaining over the last over the last couple months here in the schedule they play seattle upon return from the international break so if you get the three points there all of a sudden you make that 11 points shift down to eight points over the last 12 games of the season. That's a pretty good that's a pretty good standard there and you have a game in hand. So if you can get that game in hand and win, then you're down from 8 points to 5 points. All of a sudden, you're right in the thick of that that race for the Western Conference title. Minnesota have been playing with essentially both arms, a leg and half a torso behind their back for the better part of the last month and still managed to keep pace with the top of the West. From everything we've been hearing, a lot of those injuries, injured players are very close to returning, if not going to be returning against Seattle. If you've got an Audrey Nunu who is now finding dangerous areas on the pitch and is now, after Houston, actually converting those chances that he's getting to pair along with the return of Emmanuel Reynoso, Robin Lode, Franco Fracapane, 
and you have the depth behind you in everywhere else on the field, watch out Western Conference. You have a very dangerous attack paired with one of the best defenses in the league. In total, they've allowed 1.1 goals per game, which is good enough for 7th best in the league. But if you take out those those first four games where they allowed 10 goals, that number now switches to .82 goals per game, which is good enough to be the best defense in the league. They have a stalwart defense that teams know they're not going to break down easily. And the only thing standing in their way is the strength of schedule over the last 13 games. They play basically the rest of the top of the West of the Western Conference down these last 13 games. But that can work in their favor because if they're winning those games like I think they can, they're beating the teams ahead of them in the standings. And essentially those three-point, usually games that are three-pointers are six-pointers because you're gaining three points on the team and not allowing the teams ahead of you to get three points. You're gaining a ton of ground super quick in the Western Conference that it's just eating itself alive all season long. That's why I think this thing, the Western Conference is still there to be had for Minnesota because they can make up so much ground so quickly over these last 13 games that I think there is a legitimate chance that if you keep everything, everybody healthy, which I know is a huge ask for this team for some reason this season, you can find yourself at the top of the West. Okay, let me just put it this way. Are you nuts? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm willing to admit I'm nuts, but you can see okay. you can you can see where I'm where I get my no my... because because we just beat a crappy team and by one goal two to one. Yeah, but you already you've already beaten Seattle once this season. Okay, that you, probably won't happen again. <laughs> you've held up well against Sporting Kansas City, and you get to play them two more times this season. Right, because our defense holds up well. Yeah, so your they, defense, defense keeps you in these matches, and, and now you have an offense. Everyone, we don't. Have, what offense? If Adrian Anu, because we scored two goals in Houston. No, no, no. Because remember last week when I talked about Adrian Anu, why I was still mm-hmm. optimistic about him because he's finding himself in dangerous areas now. His teammates are starting to find him in areas, and they did that without their key players. And now you're getting those guys back. If you can get those guys back against defenses and teams that have actually struggled lately like the rest of the Western Conference has for the most part, you can find yourself on a really good run of form here. And they already are in a really good run of form. Two losses in their last, what, 13 matches? Or not 13, 17 matches? That's that's as dangerous a team as you can get. A team that you know you can't score on easily and a team that all of a sudden has confidence in their attack. I think that there's, it's easily, they can easily climb up the Western Conference. I'm not, I'm not, I hope you're right. I'm not buying in only because we've been talking about this mythical three goal game for yeah. since May. Um, and I'm at the point now where, you know, it show me, show me that, that we can do yeah. more than score one Fair or enough. two in the match. Um, we talked about when, when they brought in Fragapane and they brought in a new, and remember we talked for weeks, wait till we get everybody together. Wait till we get yeah. the band back together again for the first time. But then and injuries then got in the way. And then, and then injuries. So it's just, I just, I don't feel it. I think that they could possibly, I don't think they're going to catch the top two. I think, I think Seattle and Sporting KC are probably going to finish one and two. Maybe not in that order. Maybe they'll flip flop. I think they're just teams that are used to being up there. I, I could see us as high as three, but I, I don't think, I think Seattle is the team to beat. They still are. They stumbled a little bit, but I think, um, we're going to have a real hard time, uh, even if everybody's healthy, getting another win over Seattle in a week and a half or whatever it is. So, 
I might agree with you somewhat on Seattle just because they've been so good and everybody knows they're good. But Kansas City's only nine points away from you, and you have a game in hand on them. So if you can win that game in hand, you're six mm-hmm. points away with 12 matches left. I, I'm convinced that they can get up there with Kansas City, and possibly because you already com- you've already got there with Kansas City, you'd be only two points away from Seattle. So it's the Western Conference has basically just beaten itself up all season long, <laughs> and that's not going to change because Minnesota. Yeah a team that I'm convinced has one of the best defenses in the league. And if you can continue the attack that you've seen, that you saw in the last 90 minutes against Houston, if you can continue that against better teams and you get all those players back that have been missing for the past month and a half, you can really put the put these other teams in the Western Conference that you're going to be playing over the last two months really to the sword because those teams know they can't score and they know they have a confident Minnesota time, Minnesota team coming in. I hope you're right, but if I were a betting man, I would probably say third would be the highest they'll finish. That's fair. So, but I hope you're right. Is that a tease to that write would that mean down? They score some goals, and there's some stuff coming up. And write that down. You there you, you read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we won't we won't delve on this one too much because we'll talk about it more next week. Next up, Seattle, uh, September 11th at Seattle. Uh, really tough match out there, but Seattle did just lose at home last night to Portland. So. They're they're there for the taking at home, so Minnesota could finally get that mythical win out in Seattle that has well, there for the long escape. There for the taking. Wow. <laughs> I think I my feelings are when when Seattle and Portland play, it's like when LA plays LA and New yeah. York plays New York. Those kind of rivalries, eh, it doesn't really matter much where teams normal are rules at. go out the window. Yeah, that's just a, you know what it's like. It's just a difference. Yeah. You know, it, it's. It's, you know, rivalries change the, the, the play of everybody. So I don't put a lot into that. So uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, I, you know, Reynoso, I think, well, Reynoso will be back. We know that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think from everything key, we've heard, Frank, Frank, Pony and Lode are either going to be back or they're very close to returning. Right. So if you have both of them back, that, that looks really good. And right. I think that would be a hell of a match, but again, you know, I got to I got to see three goals before I'm convinced that this offense is for real. Even if they even if they win 2-0, it's still just two goals. Yeah, but it's 2-0 at Seattle if you can do I that. Know. If you but can pull gotta, off what Portland did last night, keep Seattle scoreless. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll have Christian Roldan who will be coming off of three games with the US Men's National Team whether he's coming mm-hmm. off the bench or not. He'll still have, he'll still have been a part of three games. Over the last Part of three games and traveled, half. yeah, all yeah. that, all and that. You have stuff, a bunch yeah. of other players who are leaving for international duty. So mm-hmm. Seattle might be weakened, and you might be able to sneak yeah. away with a two 0 win, and that would be good enough as you look to climb up the Western Conference standings. Yeah. You're taking three points away from nope. the best team in the West right now. I have no doubt that they'll be in the match at Seattle because of our defense, because of our goaltending, and uh, if all the pieces are back and they could find a way to, you know. <sighs> Two goals with this, with our defense and our um, goaltending, you know, I, I think two goals is going to get them a win, you know, 70% yeah. of the time. Absolutely. Maybe with how that With how that defense has been playing yeah. with oh, you're, Michael Boxel, Bakai DeBossi, and I hope you're uh, right. Tyler Miller there. It's yep. teams know that it's opposing teams know that it's not going to be an easy night yeah. to score a goal and they're going to struggle. And 
Minnesota have done it plenty of times this season. You are listening to Loon Talk. Anywhere you find your podcast, do give us a rating, review, and a subscription. It does help us get found. I am Jonathan Harrison. That is Dan Terra. We are the radio broadcast team for all Minnesota United matches. You can, they can be heard over on Score North on AM 1500, the free Score North mobile app, and live.scorenorth.com. Dan, time for a look across the league. Let's start off with the game that we haven't been able to talk about yet, the MLS All-Star Game. MLS All-Stars taking on the League of MX All-Stars. The first time that game, that particular game has been played. It was actually competitive fun and fun. The TV yeah. ratings on the English English broadcast side didn't show that there was a lot of uh, people watching. But from what I saw, it was a really fun competitive game. Matt Turner, game MVP after stopping two shots in the penalty kicks. And then Ricardo Pepe, who had all the news throughout the night as Fox Sports was the one who broke, essentially broke the news that he would be... Uh, choosing to play for the U.S. men's national team instead of Mexico uh, in the next batch of games. Ricardo Pepe scores the game-winning PK off the crossbar. Ricardo Pepe just having himself a hell of a season. We'll get to his his uh, run here in a little bit, but I thought it was a fun game, fun all-star it, game. Finally. It was, yeah, it was. It was very, it was exciting. It was, um, you know, it was one of the better all-star games I've seen, and it, it went, you know, went to penalties, and I, I don't know why... The ratings, TV ratings, didn't didn't fare better. Is it Wednesday night? Are, you know, does does this need to be? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, it was on Fox most, Sports One. Most well, People wasn't, really yeah, know where wasn't to find that best, anymore. Wasn't on the best venue. I have no idea where it is. I didn't know it was still around. I thought it went away. <laughs> um, Wednesday night, tough night for a draw to draw a yeah. crowd. Um, people are just in the middle of the week. Other things going on. I I really feel like. We we take so many breaks over weekends, you know, in the MLS that if you really want this thing to be viewed and and taken seriously, I think you got to play it on a Saturday night. I think you got to, you know, find a find a different place to uh, to, sh- to to wedge it in there and and try and build some you know audience. But but as far as the game itself goes, I wasn't a big fan. I still would rather see East versus West, and uh, but it, it was a great match. And, you know, so I think the, the idea turned out was a success, but um, yeah, if the player, if, if the players aren't, and most of the players showed. um, So the ones that were there seemed to have a good time. I watched some of the skills stuff and, um, I love that skills competition. I yeah, think it's that just was so fun. much fun. And the they players are so invested that, in it. I don't know if you anybody had, saw it. You had the Mexican goalkeeper who was just getting roasted by Pepe on the cross yeah. and volley challenge go down fake an injury because he knew he was just getting roasted by an 18-year-old. And he mm-hmm. just tried to tried to do some general bleep housery to <laughs> try and slow things down. I love that, that it's that competitive that they're trying to play games in the middle of a skills challenge that in all reality doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And you know, it, it, but look at the look at the home run derby before the Major League Baseball All Star Game. You know, they they used to do a slam dunk contest before the NBA All Star Game. Yeah. So that stuff is kind of fun, but it's a little concerning that that it wasn't heavily viewed. But yeah. again, the players had fun. You could see it. You could as you watched it, you could see they were enjoying it. So so from that standpoint, I think it was a success and that's will keep players wanting to right. be involved in it if they have fun. So you know. All right. Going across the rest of the league, we'll kind of focus on Western Conference scores from the weekend. LA Derby, I'm not going to call it the other name because I do not like that name. Uh LAFC hosting LA Galaxy. Wait, 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 what's the other name? I'm not saying it. 
If you want to look up the the other name of that Darby, go ahead. I'm not saying it. What? I'm not a fan of it. Uh, LA Galaxy getting an 86th minute game tying goal from Kevin Cabral in just a madhouse of a game. We went in, we started our broadcast and it was 1 1. After our first segment, which took, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, took 10 minutes, it was 3 mm-hmm. 2 after the yeah. first 10 minutes of our broadcast that it was just insane. It I was you were so pulling much my leg. I did. I thought because I knew it was 1 1 and we went on the air and then you said 3 2. I said, no, it's not. Well, I, I I sent us to break, hit the play on the the ad roll, and AJ, the studio producer, as soon as the mic goes, mics go off, he's like, "Dude, this game that you have on the TV just blew up in the last ten minutes." I look up, it's three two. I'm like, "What the hell happened?" Yeah, Apparently, the defense just stopped playing, and Brian Rodriguez <laughs> decided he was going to score the best goal of the season, just running through the entire LA Galaxy defense. Um, but yeah, it was it was a mad game, and it was fun to watch. Uh, but LAFC continuing to struggle this year. It might be getting more difficult for them if the current reports on Diego Rossi are true. It looks like he's going to be signed up by Fenerbahce in Turkey, so they'll be losing one of their best players. And everything not working in LAFC's favor so far this Mm -hmm. season. They currently sit all the way down in 11th place in the Western Conference, which it's just three points out of the playoff spots because of how close that part of the Western Conference is. But still... It's a team that has not looked yeah. good. Their defense has been shaky. Their offense can't score. And Bob Bradley is just struggling to figure out what what team is the best version of this team this season, which is really concerning considering they have a lot of guys who on their final year of the contract, including their head coach, Bob Bradley. Yeah, that, that LAFC club probably will, but could look a lot different next year. Oh, yeah. And, and if they don't find if they don't get into the playoffs, you know, and they continue to struggle, it'll look really different next year. So, um, I would think that if you're a coach on the last year of his contract and they aren't offering you an extension at this point, yeah, you would sharpen up that resume, see well, what else is out there. Well, then you look at what else is out there in the rest of the league. Cause I don't think Bob Bradley's going anywhere else. I think he's going to stay in the league. You look at some of the other jobs that are available mm-hmm. after two firings this last week, uh, Vancouver and RSL both parting ways with their coaches for very different reasons. Uh, Toronto still doesn't have a coach. They're going interim for the rest of the season, but Toronto's a club that likes to spend Toronto's midfielder and their former or their current captain is Bob Bradley's son, Michael Bradley, who's probably never going to leave Toronto. He, it seems to, it seems to be that he loves that city and just loves the general vibe of that team that if they can bring in Bob Bradley, drop a bunch of change in the off season for some players, that team could be really different going into next season with a rejuvenated head coach or rejuvenated team around them. Toronto could be really dangerous if they can if they can lure Bob Bradley away from LAFC. Are you, call, LAFC are you calling it? Are you calling Bob Bradley to Toronto? Is that I'm a just prediction? reading. I'm just reading a lot of what the MLS reporters are putting no, out there that I, this thing might happen. I can't. I can't. It makes sense. No, it absolutely does. It's. It would seem kind of. It'd be kind of a wow moment if it really happened, but it certainly isn't far fetched. Can you? I'm still struggling with what happened in in Salt Lake City. Okay. Yeah, I, I completely I, this, this skip past blows it. my mind. So Freddie Juarez, head coach of Rail Salt Lake at the time, decides he's reading his tea leaves that <laughs> they brought in Pablo Mastroeni, a former MLS head coach in this league for Colorado Rapids for a number of years. They brought him in as then as an assistant form as he completely overhauled his coaching staff. And RSL sitting six at the time in the Western Conference, not really having the best of seasons, but also not having the worst. I mean, they're yeah, in the they're playoffs. In the thick of it. They're in the midst he decides, of it. He yeah. decides two days before a game against Vancouver, you know what? I'm going to go be an assistant for Seattle, which... How does that happen? Who? 
have you ever seen in your years of following and watching and talking about sports a head coach leave to go be an assistant coach somewhere else in the same exact league? I didn't know that was possible. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was possible. Me neither. Because I thought he's under contract, and so in most in most professional sport leagues, you, you can't talk to someone else's coach, right? When they're and without getting permission. So maybe behind the scenes, he said, "I want to talk to Vancouver," and Real Salt Lake said, "Yeah, go ahead. We're going to can your ass anyway. So <laughs> go ahead. We don't care, you know." But maybe more will come out on that later. But on the surface, it's it's weird. I'm trying it to really find the is. last time Seattle played Real Salt Lake, see if Brian Schmetzer had a word with Freddie Juarez during halftime or after the match about what his, but, what his future was because it just seems this, so weird that this the one, head coach of a team decides to leave. And I know Real Salt Lake is just an absolute mess right now with the league stepping in to find a new owner for the team and him not really knowing what his future yeah. is considering he's within like three months of the contract being done. But, but to leave your head coaching role to become an assistant – doesn't really it's look weird. all that great for you going in the future. And it's not like they were, you know, they weren't Houston. I mean, they're 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 still battling. They they're prob I think they're a playoff team. I think they will be. Yeah. So why would you again, I don't get it. Why would you pull the plug, you know, if 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 they want you as an assistant, Seattle, they'll hire you in the off season most right. likely. Why did exactly. you have to go now? Maybe you could turn this thing around and, and, you know, like you said, I think they're a playoff team and, and, and maybe win a playoff game, but it's just weird. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not big on hiring a guy who leaves in that way. See, to right. me, I, I lost, I lose a lot of respect for that move and I don't think I'd ever want him involved in my club. And I think so. a lot of, a lot of Real Salt Lake fans who had been behind Freddie Juarez, it seemed, because he had everything stacked against him. Like his own, it 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 essentially seemed like his own organization was pulling against him over the past year and a half that he's had that role, just because of how things have gone down there with the owner uh, saying some things he shouldn't have said, and now he's out as the owner of the team in <laughs> MLS. He couldn't find a team to or a, a group to come in and buy the team from him, so now MLS has stepped in, and it's just he hasn't been able to bring in designated players and it's just they haven't been able to put a good squad around him yet he's continuing to put out or get results for his side and yeah the last i so i finally found it the last time seattle played real salt lake was back in june back on june 23rd so did they have a conversation all the way back then and freddie's like ah let me wait out two months and then i'll decide yeah i don't know it just seems so weird freddie might have some issues i don't know but then Vancouver, their opponents this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, decided they wanted to part ways with their coach, Mark Dos Santos, after three years in charge that right. were not good at all. They had been pretty terrible for the past three years. Um, and then they lose 4-3 at, in midweek to their to a Canadian Premier League side, so a team that's theoretically a step down from you, and you yeah. lose to them. And so Vancouver's like, all right, enough is enough. They let go of Mark Dos Santos. So there's two interim managers going up against each other, and but, Vancouver get a 4-1 win over Real Salt Lake. Well, yeah, it, this is all very confusing to me. Uh, you fire your coach when I'm just looking. They're they're right on the playoff bubble. Yeah, you know they're they're <laughs> the next team in. So it always makes me think when when someone gets fired like that and their team is competing for the playoff spot with a dozen or more matches to go. 
that there's something else going on there. So, and there always has been with Vancouver. It's it hasn't yeah. been the best run operation for the last decade, right. and it's just so it. Yeah, but for the last three years under Mark Dos Santos, it came in. He came in with a lot of promise. LAFC assistant had some good runs in the NASL, but it just hasn't worked out as well as they would have liked. But as you said, they're on the cusp of the playoff spots. Why would you get rid of them now? Keep it going. But yeah. first game under interim management, they get a four-one win and. They're now so, within a single point of being in the playoff spots. You know what I'd give for a 4-1 win? Goodness gracious. Four goals in one 90-minute stretch? That's a lot of highlights you're asking me to cut I'll up in it. one match. I want that. <laughs> I want that so bad. Other results <laughs> in the Western in the Western Conference throughout the weekend. Uh, Colorado and Sporting Kansas City draw 1-1. Austin FC hosting FC Dallas and another Texas Derby and Goodness gracious, this one was all over the place. Dallas, playing with a bunch of their young kids as they always have this season, completely dominated the first half, just running up the score. Mm-hmm. I think it was 4-1 yeah. at half at yeah, Austin. Ugly. And then they come out in the second half, completely change up the way they were playing. Aust- or Dallas, throughout the much of the first half, were controlling the ball. They're passing it around Austin, just making Austin look stupid. And then in the second half, they come in, up 4-1, I believe, and then they just start playing the long ball game for some reason. And Austin's like, okay, we'll counterattack the hell out of you. Score two goals. It's all of a sudden four three, and then Austin, or all of a sudden it's five three, and that's how the game ends. But Austin did not go away. Dallas kind of had their eyes open that you can't just let let games sit the way they are at halftime. You got to play for the full ninety minutes. Eight total goals. That's, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think what are the most total goals we've been involved with in a game this year, and I can't remember the scores this of year? those first four. Yeah, those uh, first four. But I mean, I can't even imagine. It's it looks like so five. five. Five, okay. It was yeah. the Colorado loss. It was the 3-2 Colorado loss. Five goals. Yeah. I can't imagine eight. That's crazy. So It's a lot of goal I, calls know, for you, Dan. And, <laughs> and, well, that's what's fun. <laughs> Dallas, oh, absolutely. Yeah, Dallas, you know, I mean, Dallas' credit, they didn't let it slip away. But, you know, we, we shouldn't talk. We went through two matches just about completely with a man advantage and couldn't score more than one <laughs> goal. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> we should, but, we shouldn't point fingers. Ricardo Pepe, the guy who's just been on the hearts and minds of all U.S. men's national team fans over the past couple weeks, continues to score. He bags a brace last night, getting up to 11 goals on the season for the young 18-year-old. I know one of your favorite players, Ricardo Pepe, uh, one of my favorite players now just because of how he's (laughs) risen so much through that FC Dallas Academy and then now on the cusp of getting his first uh, minutes as a U.S. men's national team player. I can't wait to see what he can do in that role for the yeah. U.S. men's national team who've desperately been crying out for someone to take hold of that number nine role, that true uh, forward role for them. And hopefully it's Ricardo Pepe. Hopefully he can translate some of his hot run for FC Dallas into national team play. So that'd be fun to see. He's what every uh, club manager, front office member, lays awake at night dreaming of. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, kid that comes. Dallas are going to sell him for a yeah. bucket load of money this offseason. Sure, they're, you, you just it's what it's it's that wild out there dream. I want a kid that comes up and and uh, we develop in our system, plays for us, sc- might be the golden boot winner in the league, and he's eighteen years old. Right, you know, unbelievable. It doesn't happen very often, but it's kind of cool, and that's why you have to appreciate it when it does happen. As just a fan of soccer, because. Uh, this is the type of thing you hope happens more and more in the United States um, that we have these kind of players develop and, and go on to play elsewhere, come home and play for our international team. And uh, yes, yeah, so it's, it's, that's pretty cool. And 
Um, I know neither one of us picked him to win the golden boot, but <laughs> it'd be fun yeah. to watch him do it. Absolutely. Uh, Seattle then with the result of the weekend across the Western Conference, they stunningly lose to Portland, who have been struggling mightily of late, including a really tough loss against Seattle at Portland. And as we mentioned earlier, when those two teams, when really true rivalries get involved, all normal rules go out the window. And it seems that this that this particular rivalry, the away team, is always the victor. As I think the last six times these two teams have played, it's always been the roadside winning. As Portland get a 2-0 win in Seattle last night, a Portland side that had been out of the playoff spots and had been looking just to find right. any way to get a win, they get one last night in the shutout win against Seattle. So surprising yeah. result there. Yeah, rivalries change things. Here in Minnesota, we don't have, in any sport, we don't have geographic rivals. You know, we're just kind yeah. of, in, you know, because, you know, even though Wisconsin has sports teams, they're all the way on the other side of the state, nothing in the Dakotas, nothing in Iowa. We're kind of on a little, you know, island here in the Twin Cities. And, I mean, really, you don't, you don't understand it until you play or watch or be around those rivalries. Uh, over over the course of many years, you know, I mean, the Vikings have Green Bay, but Green Bay doesn't consider the Vikings their main rival. Yeah, they, they consider, consider Chicago, Chicago for some reason. Yeah, Chicago's their Whatever. main rival. So, you know, w- when I called games for the Wild, uh, the first thing I thought of was the rivalry between Chicago and Minnesota back in the day. Yeah. Well, then they put Chicago and Minnesota in different conferences. You know, what I mean, he never got to play them, uh, which was a big mistake. Um, yeah. The Twins, Twins and Brewers, that doesn't get me going. Well, because it's different leagues at this point now. It's, yeah, and you so feel like there's kind of a mistake there with MLB and in, and the NBA putting Minnesota yeah. and Wisconsin in different leagues. Like you should have right. those two teams, those two states in the same league because those yeah. are really natural rivalries that could be formed. Because rivalries are great. I mean, they're, they're one of the best. They make things, all sports better. They're, they're the one of the best things about sports, and we just don't have good ones here. But uh, that ch- that change, and you know, winning that match over Seattle could you know change Portland's season. You know, absolutely. So, We'll see what happens, but I still think, you know, we'll find out when we get another shot at Seattle here in a week and a half or so, but I still think Seattle's the team to beat. So next up for us in the Look Across the League, we'll take a quick view at the U.S. Men's National Team. They announced their roster, as we already mentioned, the big news out of that one. Ricardo Pepe deciding to play for the U.S. Men's National Team instead of Mexico. Big, Another big get there for Greg Berhalter, who's just... Showing that he's maybe up there on recruiting levels with Nick Saban at this point, getting a bunch of dual nationals over the last yeah. handful of years. Um, for them, they've got three games. They got their first three matches in their World Cup qualifying for the first time in four years. Cannot wait. Hopefully, this World Cup qualifying goes a little bit better than last last cycle. Uh, first yeah. up for the U.S., a trip down to El Salvador this Thursday, then a quick return home to Nashville to take on Canada on Sunday, and then Wednesday, next Wednesday they will go down to Honduras to take on that side. So it's got to be better. I mean, I don't know how they've got a better squad. I feel like it's it's a better squad this time around. Squad is better, better chance. It's a very Um, inexperienced squad in world cup qualifying is I think they've got like six players total that have played in world cup qualifying. Maybe that's okay. Yeah. A bunch of naivety about how things work and just go in there. You know, you have talent, play your ass off and don't care about what happened before and what's coming up. Uh, How tough would that be? And maybe it's not, I don't know Ricardo Pepe at all. Um, But on the surface, it seems like that'd be very difficult to make a decision as to who you're going to play for. 
Oh yeah, and you yeah, have absolutely. that dual citizenship, and I don't know how tough it was for him. Maybe it was a no brainer. Maybe he knew all along that's what he wanted. But uh, but it seems to me that that would be a very emotional uh, decision absolutely. to make because, especially, I, I just feel like if he had chose chosen to play with Mexico, they'd be happy. The United States would go eh, all right. That doesn't surprise us. But right. I feel like there's going to be a little more animosity uh, from the Mexican side. Well, I mean, they were they were trying to get him from everything mm-hmm. that that's been put out there, but I mean, obviously he decided he wanted to play for the US and as he posted on his on his social media feeds after he made after the decision was announced that he was going to play for the US, it was a very emotional decision for him because he grew up on the border. He grew up watching uh Liga MX as mm-hmm. as a young kid with his family really cheering for those teams and he had favorite players. He knew all the guy all the guys for for the Mexico national team. And so he had that draw there that his family was invested into Mexico. He was invested in Mexico, but he said that the U S has given him and his family so much over the past 18 years that he just really couldn't feel like he could choose anything else. He just felt like he wanted to play for them and good for him. I mean, that's, that's an absolutely tough choice. And you saw David Ochoa make the opposite choice. He did play for, he did line up on the bench for the U S men's national team earlier this summer, but then he just felt like he, he, wanted to play for Mexico better. I mean, you look and you also look at his chances, David Ochoa's chances at getting into the U S men's national team anytime soon as the goalkeeper. And you have the guys of the likes of Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath and Zach Steffen in your way. You don't really have a mm-hmm. whole good opportunity there. Whereas Mexico, they've got a 38 year old uh, Guillermo Ochoa starting mm-hmm. in front of him. Everything seems to be yeah. lining up that David Ochoa could be the next Mexico national team goalkeeper for the next 20 years. Whereas Ricardo Pepe looks at the attacking front that Mexico has and says, yeah, I'm probably not going to get in this cycle, but then looks at the current <clears> struggles that the U S are having. And he's like, I could probably get in now and I could be in the world cup come next year. Let's, let's go with the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of got to look at it that way too. And so, yep. yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited about it. Very excited. Yeah, should be a fun set of game, uh trio of games coming up. Uh, now time for, I know our favorite segment, write that down. If you haven't been following us, all along, write that down as our weekly segment where we make three soccer-related predictions. At least one of them has to be Minnesota United-related. We'll keep track of the correct predictions throughout the year. We'll call them goals. And the most goals at the end of the year wins the golden boot. Dan, let's get to a accountability session, which interesting results about oh, this man. week. That's right. I got a couple off the board. Whoop, bring that back into the stream. I got a couple off the board this week. Uh, I did say Minnesota will keep at least three clean sheets in the month of August. They only kept two. They got close, but close. that early that early yep. goal in Houston kind of robbed it away. I did say Audrey Nunu will score at least one goal against Houston, so I got that one right because he mm-hmm. scored two of them. Then I said yep. Minnesota will score more than one goal against Houston, and they scored two of them, so I'll take that. Two yeah. two off the board for me. Um, for some reason, I have it in red, but you do, you do have a correct one today. You did say uh, there will be a total of two goals. Uh, in Minnesota. No, actually, that's correct because no, you only was, said a total was, of two goals. It was three. It was three. So there was three goals. So you actually yeah, got that one wrong. So, yeah. Yep. So I'll have to change the standings there. And then you said Gustavo Bo will score a goal for New England against New no. City FC. Well, New England got shut out. So I know. That was bad. Good luck there. Yeah. Uh, the standings, will, which will have to be adjusted, read as follows Dan, you only have 13 goals on the season. I now have 12 on the season. The guests have two, and listeners mm. have zero. So my strategy of Placing a lot of goal, a lot of uh, these bets far out, and have them hit later. It's coming into fruition, Dan. Far I still have, out. I still have eleven left on the board. You have seven because you started 
you started copying my strategy strategy a little bit, but yeah, I had to I had to start matching are... you, so the end of the year didn't get too ugly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I started. I believe I started last week. So I think you did. You start. You start right. this week, sir. All right, Minnesota United. The month of September, mm-hmm. uh, they play one, two, three, four, five matches. Whew, now, that's a lot. I'm, now I'm not saying that they're not going to do well this month, but I'm not convinced that these three goal outbursts are coming. So okay. I'm going to say that uh, in the month of September, Minnesota will score no more than 10 goals. Wow. Averaging to a match. Now, they could have a three-goal outburst. They could score three in there somewhere, but then they probably would bounce it off and only score one here or there or something. So total of 10 goals in those five matches in September. Ten ye or of less. Little, ye of little faith, no, no, Dan. No, I, think, I still think they're going to win three or four of those, but I don't think they're going to do it by scoring a bunch of goals. This attack is back, I'm telling you, Dan. All right. It's going to start singing. firing like it did Keep last year in the everybody. playoffs. Yeah, put your put your pen where your mouth is. Let's hear it. Come okay. on. Minnesota, <laughs> write this down, Dan, will finish above the Galaxy and Colorado at the end of the season in the Western Conference standings. Write that down. So at least they're going to climb above those two teams, which I think is easily okay. doable. Um, okay. Because Galaxy don't – or Colorado really don't have an attack. They have okay. – Great midfield and defense, but they have nobody up top to score okay. goals for them. And yeah, and you know Galaxy how I feel about Colorado. Struggle. You yeah. know, I think Colorado's falling fast. They're not that good. So, so okay, so so that means they'll finish ahead of those two. Okay, yep, got All it. Right. Writing it down. Write that down. All right. Um, similar note, standings wise, uh, at the end of September, Minnesota will be in the same position in the West that they start September in. Fifth. Well, will they still be in fifth when September starts? What's the date today? Well, yeah, there's no more games. It's there's no more games. Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought we had one weekend left. In oh, no, that's right. See, We're with Labor Day, yeah. Labor Day is so late. <laughs> it's screwing like you up. It is so so. Yeah, so they're fifth now. They'll be fifth at the end of September. All right, that's not optimistic, but okay. I'm just trying to get points, man. man just man, you're so you're so <laughs> negative about this team. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with being fifth. Clearly, I didn't convince you earlier. I'll have to no, you didn't. next time. No, you didn't. All right. <laughs> Write this down, Dan. I'm switching to U.S. Men's National Team for my final two picks of the evening. U.S. Men's National Team will win at least two of their next three matches to start off the World Cup qualifying run, which they need to do. They need to have a really good start, and I think they can do with the teams that they're playing. So write that down. Two. We'll win at least two of their next three matches. Two. So they've got, uh, remind me again, El Salvador? El Salvador, Canada, and Honduras. Two of those are on the road, so they're going to be tough competitions on the road, and then Canada, which seems to be the third, if not second best team in in CONCACAF, could pose you really tough competition depending on how Alfonso okay. Davies and Jonathan David play. So, Two out of three. Okay. Gotcha. At least two out of three. I all think right. they could win all three, but I'm not going to go that far yet. Okay. All right. So uh, my third one is going to be uh, San Jose and Colorado play on September 4th. Mm-hmm. And because I, both those teams spent some time up near the top in the West, and I correctly predicted San Jose's quick demise from the from the top of the West. Right. Uh, I'm going to pick that match as San Jose defeating Colorado because Colorado is going to take another fall from the standings. There's two teams I don't think will be in the playoffs. I don't know what they're doing up there. Uh, so I just flat out San Jose over Colorado on uh, September 4th. I do not understand MLS scheduling and placing games being played over an international break. So those two those teams that will play will be without their international stars. What right. what are we what are we doing? 
It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. So. But whatever. MLS is going to MLS, I guess. We understand so little about the MLS schedule makers and where they live and what dark cave they come out of once in a while to make schedule changes. And It doesn't make sense to me at all. The, we have the same knowledge about handballs and uh, penalty kicks and yeah, VAR. MLS is going to MLS, I guess. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Final write that down of the evening, Dan. Uh, we mentioned Ricardo Pepe choosing to play for the U.S. men's national team. I think he'll get his debut this upcoming week and a half. Okay. Write this down, Dan. Pepe will score in at least one of the next three matches for the U.S. men's national team. I'm not saying how many he'll score or when he'll score. I'm just saying okay. in these next three matches, he'll get his well, debut and he'll score. I just don't know how much he's going to play. That's what puts. Right. That's what makes it difficult is, is how much is he going to play. I think he'll play. I don't know how much. So, But okay. if, if, you, if you're – if you're a striker who wants to claim his role as a starting striker for the U.S. men's national team, you see see yeah. the struggles that the strikers have had for that team. Might as well get on get yeah. on the score sheet early and stake your claim now. So, All right, yeah, the kid's pretty fearless. The kid's pretty fearless. He'll just go out there and do it. No, he doesn't seem to have any. Well, you know, the pressure he might feel to score goals might still come later in his career. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? You're 18. Yeah. He doesn't know any worry? better. What did you worry about when you were 18? Hardly uh, anything. Not Nothing. what I'm worrying about now as an adult <laughs> who has a home and kids. So, yeah, think about it. Life's great at 18. He's, he's getting paid a hand. He's, he's getting paid a soccer. lot of money to go play soccer and just live life. Just and, yeah. play soccer. It's all you. He's probably worrying. The thing he's probably worrying about most now that he's chosen the U.S. Men's National Team to play for is where he's going to play in Europe next summer. What? What? Which great city in Europe is he going to really. go live in yeah. next year? Man, nice. <laughs> would be great to be. Must 18. be tough. Good Must for be him. tough as an eighteen-year-old. Good for him. Yep. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, good stuff him. this week, Dan. We will right. talk to you next Monday for the next edition of Loon Talk, as we have the weekend off in MLS for us, mm-hmm. for us, anyways. Yeah. Some other teams for some reason will play, but the Loons won't. So. Take the week off. Enjoy, enjoy. Enjoy the cabin, I assume. So. Yep. Get up, enjoy get up the, the nice Minnesota and, weather. Yep. Hopefully it stays that way. Good job, buddy. Talk yeah. to you later. Talk to you later, sir. Talk to you later, Loons fans. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, My Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.